Well, thank you so much, praise team, and uh, it's my privilege now to invite Matthew Songer to come, and I'm going to invite all the other members of the team that went. There were 14 of us from Bethel, and so if all 14 could come, and Matthew is going to uh, sort of begin our presentation, and then I know he's going to call on several to come and share the things that the Lord did in our lives as we were down there in Guatemala. So Matthew, uh, welcome this morning and, and thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Good morning. So I'd like to share a little bit about our, our Hoyava mission trip and I, hopefully I've got this right. Which one's forward? Okay, there we go. So we flew into Guatemala City and uh, this is the landing. It's a very densely populated city of many millions, I don't know, it's three to six million, something like that. And, uh, but it's a four and a half hour trip from there up to the area where we go. And uh, there is no straight stretch longer than this church, just to have you, have you an idea of uh, the winding going through the mountains. Where to begin? This is the property that Send Me purchased. And a lot of the activities took place at this property, but this isn't it. We'll tell you the whole story, but I want to tell you just a little bit about the property because what we said and you probably took home, is that we we're going to build a home for widows. And so that's what we did. But a little bit about the property. Uh, the property is a farm. And you can see Holly uh, milking a cow. And uh, she had the, was bold enough to drink it, which I'm impressed. And uh, so did my wife. Uh, but I didn't. <laughs> Uh, but it's all about self-sustainability. A lot of times we as Christians go in, especially Americans, go in and we do something and then we leave and they're no better off. So it's all about creating self-sustainability. There, um, there was, not only was there a, a cattle on there, but they plant corn, beans, and well, corn, beans, and one, no, squash. Uh, um, so we also planted 46 fruit trees. Now that, it hasn't rained in months. So that was ultimate clay that we went through, and uh, it was pretty hard. So this is us working on building the home. So it's actually a four-part uh, apartment, and you can see the, uh, the construction and, every, and, and the people were involved in it. But there's many things going on simultaneously, the fruit trees, and we'll, and we'll go into some of the other things in a second. But just to give you an idea that it, it was a pretty, uh, pretty significant affair, Here's just a picture of the building team. And, uh, you know, for those who are praying for me, my, uh, uh, I had tremendous endurance and stamina working up on the roof all day in the hot sun, which I never thought I would have. Uh, so that was a real blessing. Uh, and, and I just wanted to also thank everybody that's given to this because you are blessed because of the blessings that take place here. So as an extension, um, it is not advancing. There we go. So that's kind of the finish. So you can see there, here's two apartments. The roof is completed. Now, of course, has to, we, we're going to put electricity and plumbing and stuff inside. Most of the homes do not have plumbing, uh, do not have a flush toilet, and um, few have electricity now. Uh, so what you see there is half of what we actually need to do. So we have a job to do to finish. Um, people have asked me, in fact, I had a doctor sit down next to me, and he says, why are you going there? He says, you could just send money. He says, what's, what's the point? Well, let me show you the point. See this bridge? That was, it goes to nowhere. That was given by well-meaning Americans. And of course they gave enough money to finish the bridge, but that money went elsewhere. What's the bridge that we use? This is the bridge that we use. It has holes in it. As you go through, you see the water below it. 
and there's boards that are breaking and cracking as you go through. So it's a very dangerous bridge. So there's a good bridge, but it never was finished. And that's just kind of the idea that uh, we need to be, be feet on the ground, and for many reasons. So there's a lot going on in this community that's been started, initiated by Send Me. One of the things they did, and another church actually did this, they built the King Jesus Therapy Center. It was a physical therapy center, and they have full-time physical therapists. So we were able to go visit there, and I was able to see and examine some of their difficult kids. Uh, we also went to Ray of Hope. Ray of Hope is a... Uh, it's a day, uh, basically called like a daycare center, but it's supposed to be education and training for kids with disabilities. They get a very a various amount of training, uh, but one of the things that they have is is they are outcast in society, so to speak, because they're not in the regular school. So we went there and really made a special effort to to befriend them and play with them and draw with them, as you can see. Um, there's also uh, a church that's just across the street, and they have 450 Compassion Kids, Compassion International Kids. So we were able to, to minister to them as a group, and also uh, uh, Laura and I were able to see and play with our, our sponsored children. And my sister, Laura, also sponsored a child when she was there. So it's growing. So, but it's just amazing. If you've ever been with Compassion International, a lot of times we've done it before, and you, you really never get a sense of any kind of knowing that person. But they were, as soon as they saw us, they came around the corners, uh, Laura's compassion child hugged her. So it was just an amazing, uh, amazing emotional time there. Uh, we also showed the Jesus film. This is a church where the Jesus film was shown, and that church is probably, what, about a quarter of this size church, roughly? They're nodding heads. Roughly a quarter size, and there was like 200 people packed in that church. And it was literally, it was packed in that church. Fortunately, it wasn't too hot. But uh, uh, so we were able to show the Jesus film, and roughly about 40 people came to know the Lord, made a first-time decision. Um, then we also did filters of hope, so we'd go from home to home. And I'm going to turn this over to Dave, because this is Dave's brainchild. Well, it's not my really brainchild, but... Crew has partnered with a group called Filters of Hope, <clears throat> and uh, these are the buckets. Not actually the bucket, but this is a bucket and a filter. And uh, we went into a very rural area called Los, Los Lomas, and uh, we participated in this, and uh, Jake got the screwdriver out here at one point and uh, drilled a hole. Thank you, Jay. And, uh, uh, and then what we did is we uh, put old water in here and then put it through the filter, explained how the filter worked, and then we took a cup, a nice clean cup, and we took their polluted water through the filter, and then we drank it. And uh, some of us, yes, we didn't get sick. Uh, <laughs> but it was just a great experience. Uh, you can't imagine the kinds of conditions people are living in. A number of us were in homes that were made with bamboo, uh, strung together with string for their walls, and a tin roof and a piece of black plastic on the top. And uh, one home was probably 10 by 12, uh, seven people living in that home. Um, no electricity and, of course, no running water. So just a, just a really fun experience. And then the objective was to share the gospel. I'll pick on Sarah here. Uh, one day, Sarah was teamed up with a group of people, and uh, Tomas was the um, Guatemalan, but he speaks Spanglish, which is a teeny little bit of English and a whole bunch of Spanish, and, uh, and Quiche, which is the native language. So... 
uh, who was sharing? Somebody was telling Sarah. Susan was sharing the gospel. Sarah was translating from English to Spanish. And then Tomas was translating from Spanish to Quiche. So this isn't really her first language. So uh, <laughs> Susan's large words uh, confused Sarah at numerous points. Uh, but the gospel was communicated, and we had a great opportunity to do that. Um, we also had, you'll hear about uh, Bill Basti, um, and he was on my team one, one day, and it was just wonderful to have him share the gospel in a known language, in, in their primary language. Um, my, one of my favorite stories about this trip was I'm walking up this dusty road with this guy who spent 40 years translating the Bible, and we have just spent time with people in Guatemala in a rural area where they don't have electricity most, in most homes, and we just gave a woman a mini SD card. I don't know if you can see how small this is, but it's small. And on this, this is uh, Matthew's brainchild, uh, or helper, I don't know, yes. Uh, <clears throat> on this mini SD card, there is, the, there is the Bible in three different languages, and there is the Jesus film, and we put it into their phone, and they're seeing the, God, the, the, the Bible read to them, and they're hearing it also. It's just hard to comprehend. And I'm walking next to the guy who spent 40 years translating the Bible from the Bible into this Quiche language. It was just pretty amazing. And if I can just say one more thing. Yeah, yeah it was, you'll hear more about it. Uh, one of my big takeaways from this week was uh, being on mission with all of these people, and uh, some of them had never been on mission before, so that was really fun. Also, seeing all of us as a church being on mission together was exciting, having us pray together, having you give financially, and uh, being on Facebook, all of that was just, I felt like this was a unique, special, and unbelievable experience for us as a trip and also us as a team. Sorry. So... A couple other things. No, it was great. And um, the as as Dave mentioned, the key thing, <clears throat> the most important thing that we did is sharing the gospel. Um, what was interesting to me, this whole family accepted the Lord when we talked to him, and they had, as you can see, very meager possessions. And uh, we were able to go with the local pastor with Bill. So for a while there, I had what I call the dream team, because uh, both Bill, the local pastor, only spoke. Quiche. He didn't. He may have spoke Spanish too, but with Bill next to him, Bill, Bill kind of took over. Once I started, you know, to, Bill was supposed to be translating for me. But once I started to do the analogy between the, the uh, the filters and the dirty water, and uh, he just took it and run, <laughs> and run with it. But you let Bill run with it. But the, he said to me, he turned around, and he says, "This pastor must have been working this family." And so it really made me understand is that we're at various different levels of this. Sometimes we're just planting the seed. And sometimes, as Dave would say, the plus one conversation, you just move somebody to another level. And sometimes you reap the harvest. So in this particular case, we really got a chance to, to see the reap of the harvest and see this family come to know the Lord. Um, we had another one, which, is, which was really interesting. We came to this family and though she was very interested, she wanted to accept the gospel, she wouldn't do it without her husband there, and unless her husband said it was okay. And Bill was with me, and he says, well, you know why? Because she, if she did that, and she didn't get approval of her husband, she'd get beat up. 
And so it's, again, it's a totally different culture that you start to learn about. And Laura, I can mention a little bit here. Do you want to step up here? Or do we have another mic? Hi, I was a member of the Dream Team. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hope, hopefully I was an asset. I was the, the white person that drank the water. And I, I tell you, when, when they see you as a white person drinking that water, their eyes get really big. Like, wow, you're drinking our water. <laughs> it must really be clean. Uh, but I want to tell you a story um, about our Dream Team experience. Um, Bill later told us that the pastor, like Matthew said, had probably already talked to these people. They were living right close to church. And uh, we came up to this one porch, and we kind of we, we wanted the Native people to go first so that you know they didn't run us off with a stick or a gun or something. And uh, uh, this young, beautiful young lady had her back to us, and she was weaving on her loom. And she turned around and looked over her shoulder at us like this. And she had her hand up on her loom. She looked over her shoulder at us. And uh, the look on her face was not welcoming. She really didn't want us there. She, she uh, recognized the pastor. He talked to her. She didn't move. He talked to her again. She didn't move. You know, just the same expression on her face. And he talked to her again, and she got up and disappeared around the corner. We're, th you know, we're kind of milling around going, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And then she came around the corner with plastic stools. And we're like, yeah, we get to talk to her. So she set out her plastic stools, and uh, we sat down and, you know, Bill did his thing. And uh, we drank the water and, you know, all that. And uh, straight face. And uh, the pastor, uh, you know, Bill asked her, well, do you want to uh, accept Christ? And she said, yes. And we're all like, <laughs> praise God. And uh, uh, she said the prayer. And afterwards, her countenance just changed. She just lit up, and she gave each one of us a big hug. And uh, um, basically, because we were there, and you, you could tell that the pastor had talked to her before, but because we were there, and we gave her the filter, we drank the water, and we presented the gospel in our way. We were there to catch the fruit. Uh, and this is her, this is Maria. And you can see her big, beautiful smile. And we thank you for that. Um, I just want to echo a lot of what Dave and um, Matthew have said. But one highlight that I had was um, when we were sharing the gospel with these people and... Um, we had many plus one conversations, and there were many who did come to accept Christ. And then we were all excited. We would offer them like a hard text Bible, and then they would just kind of like, I don't know how to read. But then with the SD cards, and when we were able to put that in their phone and just watch their face as they were able to listen to the Bible in their language and be able to possibly learn how to read from their phone, um, and just the joy that they had, that was just really cool um, to see. And then, um, oh, lost my train of thought, but anyway, um, the tuk-tuk ride. ride, that was um, an, an experience, me and Jay, and um, uh, another Matthew uh, missionary here, but we got to take a tuk-tuk ride to go get... Um, a coffee and we so it's like a little three-wheeled um, taxi kind of 
cart kind of thing. And we crammed seven people onto that little cart. And we also ran over a dog on the way there. The, the dog limped away, but that was a hoot and a half. That was just a ride. Not running over the dog, but just the ride, the whole experience. But, um, yeah, just how um, uh, the train came, it got rerailed. So, um, um, but just all the work that Bill and the local pastors have put in through the past 40 years, it was really neat to see how the Spirit had been working in their lives. And um, there were many people who were just ready to come to accept Christ. So, there's plenty of work to be done. Um, but yeah, that was cool. So I just like, it's the first time that I've ever done anything like this. And you guys were so generous with your money. And we started Monday morning at 8 o'clock and Friday afternoon at, well, so for like 5 o'clock, we put the tiles up or most of them. And so we accomplished the task. And it wasn't easy. We were there every day from you know, dawn to dusk, basically. So thanks for your generosity, and thank Bob for being our crew chief, and we worked really hard. There are a couple of things that are amazing. You all prayed for us the, the Sunday before we left, which was um, really powerful to me, and, and we were to raise money, and that was amazing that we were able to raise that much money. So that was awesome. But what nobody tells you is how kind these people are. There is never a moment that they are unkind. And they're in this crazy traffic. And in this America, you're used to people you know, swearing and getting really angry. And they're so patient with somebody cutting them off. Or I was amazed at that. But what they don't tell you as you're going up this crazy road for 60 miles is that we're at altitude. We're at 5,000 feet. So it was high altitude training the whole week when we're working really hard or bringing... So it was arduous physically to go up and down ladders and also up and down dirt roads and, and bringing things to people. And, and I don't hear anybody talk about we brought them rice and beans, too, uh, uh, to serve a family of four. So when we visited different, the different houses with the water filters and the SD card, and then we gave them food, you know, they, they didn't want us to leave. <laughs> so you know, we got a lot of really lovely hugs um, from the people. And the people on the job site, it's amazing how you can communicate without having much Spanish um, and get things done. And they were also very kind and patient and just wanted to be of help. And, and they worked really hard also alongside with us. So I feel really blessed to have been there. We feel really blessed to have been there. So thank you. So we're on this job site, and the footings were dug, and much of the concrete block was up, but you can tell maybe from a picture, but there's these big piles of hard clay. And, you know, I'm used to working hard and got gray hair. In fact, they pulled my hair to make sure it was, like, real. Is that real hair? <laughs> but these young people worked extremely hard. And, and I came around the corner one morning, and I had my nail apron on, and Pastor Brian's in there with a pickaxe. And he goes, you know, I've never ran a pickaxe before. And... <laughs> I was like, well, that's kind of a good thing because that's not a fun tool. But he goes, how come you are drawing pictures with paper and pencil and I get to run a pickaxe? <laughs> but Jay and Kyle, and they worked extremely hard in the sun. And they, by 
I think day three had that all leveled out and they brought in all the sandy material to get it ready to pour the concrete slab in there. And, and it was just great to see how hard you guys work. So that was really a great, great job. Uh, Matthew showed and, and talked about this property that's going to be a sustainable farm. What he didn't mention was the hill that we had to go up to get there. This hill in parts was like 45 degrees, and it just goes forever, it seemed like, just to get there. And then you see these Guatemalan guys, they run up that hill. Um, there's a stove in one of the one of the units, six burner gas stove that somebody had put on their back. And these, when he talked about 200 people in this church, well, they're like little people. So they're uh, uh, Mayan. Uh, they're yeah, they're Mayan culture, and they're just like small folks. But you know, somebody you know somebody brought up our chop saw up this hill uh, is, is incredible. So that was job one, getting up to the top of the hill. Besides that, um, our first day there, I saw a cloud. And I think that was the last one that I saw. It was between 81 and 89, I think, every day. And, uh, and the sun is different down there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, but um, but it was um, it was a wonderful experience working on that uh, roof. If I had my highlight pictures, it'd be a whole lot different than this. It'd be like joints of wood and stuff like that. But uh, we came up with a great design that's rep um, can be replicated. Um, Going to do some working drawings to uh, make sure that someone else that comes along can do the same same thing that we did. Uh, it was wonderful working with these these folks. You know, Natalie's like the Incredible Hulk, and Bob's like the Everready Bunny, and and every everyone else was just real hard workers, which was great. The other thing is that, um, and Bob kind of and Natalie kind of mentioned our appreciation for your support, um, but uh, along those lines, if you add up. What it would, what it costs to get all of us to Guatemala, and the cost of materials. This is probably the most expensive roof in the history of roofs. <laughs> but, uh, but the impact that we're able to have on uh, Juan Carlos and Tomas and Alexandra um, and uh, Jose and Alex and Armando. Um, the little kids that, you know, ran around trying to help us. Um, the folks that are going to be living in those those places. And the impact on all of our our lives that will impact our church and community. It was well worth it. And uh, we really appreciate your support. All right. That's it. Anybody else? No? I think we're set. And you're going to talk.
Well, on Friday night, uh, we had a campfire, and uh, I think everybody on the team, including the uh, people from the Jesus film, there are about 25 of us all together, gave testimonies, and several said that it would take a while for us to process everything that we had experienced. And I very much felt that way. I've never seen the kind of poverty that we witnessed as we traveled up and down those mountain paths. Uh, this was a family that we promised a soccer ball to the little boy, 12-year-old Tomas. And when we arrived to deliver the soccer ball, they were gone. So our missionary, Matt Smith, who was with me, uh, took this picture. And there's about uh, six people that live in this one-room hut. And I had never experienced poverty like that. I've also never seen uh, people visiting a shrine uh, with a shaman priest to worship pagan gods. Uh, Bill Vasey said that one-third of the Mayan descendants still worship the sun, the moon, and the earth as gods. And he took us up onto a rock outcropping, and he said to us, uh, as we were on this rock outcropping, there was black soot um, all around from fires that they had created. And he said this was a shrine where they worshipped false gods. Now, there were no idols or crosses at the one that we saw, like you see here. But there was this black soot all around from chickens and turkeys and sometimes goats that are sacrificed to the false gods. It is not uncommon, said Bill, to see shaman priests with lanterns. He said that even to this day, witch doctors will show up at funerals and do their incantations for the dead. I asked one young man that we were working with what his father's occupation was, and he said, well, he doesn't work, he's a priest. And I thought he meant he was a Catholic priest. But Bill said to us, no, he's a Mayan priest. Uh, the Catholic Church in Guatemala to this very day still recognizes the shaman priests. And for example, being childless in that culture is a huge burden. And so the shamans will use their rituals to increase fertility. Many of the Guatemalans to this very day still pay priests to help them overcome the problems in their life. Um, on the way back from the Jesus film, we saw people with lanterns preparing to go up to a shrine very similar to this. I was sitting next to Bill Vasey, the longtime missionary. I'll tell you a little bit about his ministry in a moment, but he said that's what they're doing. In contrast to that, we met this family. Uh, this uh, little lady in the blue is Maria. And she took us into her hut uh, in the back where she cooks and where she does her laundry. And she said, we're Christians. And we said, well, what church do you go to? She said, well, we go to the church where the Jesus film is going to be shown tonight. And a more gracious and lovely welcome you have never received. And so you have to ask yourself this question. How did these people escape the darkness of Mayan idolatry and superstition. And I want to talk a little bit about that this morning in the time that I have. I want to talk about the power of the gospel. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me over to 1 Peter chapter 1. And what I want to do today in the time that I have are two things. Number one, 
I want us to see the Bible's teaching on the power of the gospel. And then I want to talk about the power of the gospel in the ministry of the Kiche, since Bill Vasey went there many, many years ago. And let me read for you um, verses 22 to 25 here in 1 Peter chapter 1 and invite you to follow along in your Bibles. Here's what Peter says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the word, this word is the good news, the gospel that was preached to you. Now these verses are telling us about the power in the gospel. And they tell us that the gospel does two things. Number one, it purifies us. He says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. And probably here the Apostle Peter is not talking just simply about our forgiveness of sin, but he's also talking about our deliverance from sin, that we have been purified and given a new life. And then notice the second thing that he says is the gospel makes us alive. He says in verse 23 that we have been born again through the living and abiding work of God. So that we have been given a new life, we've been given a new heart, a, a, a new relationship with God. And the Bible describes it as being made partakers of the divine nature. Now it's interesting as you look at this, there are two properties of God's word that make a very powerful difference when we receive it or when people coming out of pagan Mayan superstition receive it. Notice these two things. Number one, he says God's word is living. It shares God's very character. Look at verse 23. We've been born again through the living word of God. When the Word of God is received into the heart by faith, an amazing miracle happens. Spiritual life is implanted in one's soul. Uh, the Apostle Peter in, in 1 Peter 1, 2 Peter 1, describes it as becoming partakers of the divine nature. And so what happens is, is we receive eternal life and we become alive to God and to His purposes. But then notice the second thing about the Word of God. God's Word is abiding. It never dies. He says it's through the living and abiding Word of God. So the Word of God, when it comes into our life, becomes a permanent work that never dies. You may remember what Jesus said in Matthew 24 and verse 35. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will what? They will never pass away. And you remember what Jesus said in John eleven twenty five. He said, the life that we receive, it is a life that will never die. So think about what Jesus is saying to us. Through the word, we are given a life that never dies. 
And we are given truth that is always true and always powerful. It is very much like planting a seed and watering that seed. If this spring I were to go into my backyard and to take an acorn and plant it in the soil in the back, that acorn eventually, as the spring rains came and as the spring sun shone upon it, would germinate and sprout. As the process continued, it would grow into a sapling. And then over the next few years, it would grow into a small tree. And if that process were to continue year after year after year without being interrupted in some way, that little tree would grow into a mighty, mighty oak. Now that's what Peter is saying here. When the Word of God is received into our hearts by faith, we receive a life that never dies. And as that Word continues to be watered, it will grow in our hearts, it will develop in our hearts, and it will produce a crop, whether we're living in Marquette, Michigan, in the UP, or whether we're living in Los Lomas, amongst the Quiche in the mountains of Guatemala. There's a little couplet that John Bunyan wrote about a a poem about the the gospel. It's about the difference between the law and the gospel. And you know John Bunyan wrote Pilgrim's Progress. And this is the little couplet that he wrote. He, He said this, Run, John, run, the law commands, but gives us neither feet nor hands. Far better news the gospel brings. It bids us fly and gives us wings. And that's what Peter is talking about here. The word of the gospel, when it's received by faith, gives us wings. Wing number one is I've been purified, forgiven, and my heart has been cleansed. And wing number two is I've been made alive with the very life of God within me. And now I can fly living in ways that I never could have lived before. Now let me share with you the power of this gospel that's been working in Guatemala amongst the Quiche for well over four decades now. We had the privilege of having this man come down and uh, spend uh, the week with us. This is Bill Vasey. Uh, his picture is in the lobby of the hotel that we uh, stayed in. In fact, the hotel is named after him. So influential is this man in Hoyava where we stayed. As a teenager, he was challenged by an All-American basketball player at a camp in northern Wisconsin to give his life to missions. And at that camp, he made a commitment, I'm going to be a missionary. He read the story in the 1950s of Jim Elliott and Nate Saint and their companions who were killed by the Aka Indians in Life magazine. And in that story, he learned that they had all been graduates of Wheaton College. So he decided, I'm going to go to Wheaton and I'm going to prepare for the mission field. He graduated with a degree in anthropology and linguistics and he was commissioned by the Primitive Methodist Church to go to Guatemala as a missionary. 
he said that he was taken by the person who brought him out there uh, to a mountain ridge just like this. The Sierra Madre Mountains run through Guatemala. And as he looked down on the valley below, his uh, leader said to him, there is your mission field. The Mayan people, the Quiche, had no alphabet. No one had ever uh, written or read their language. In fact, the Spanish conquistadors called it a dog's language, and they considered the Quiche people dogs because they could not read or write their own language. Uh, by the way, let me just share with you, there's the Quiche language that he began to work on to develop an alphabet and eventually write their language. And uh, one day... As he uh, stood in a square, he decided he would do something very unique. This is the town square that was right across from the hotel where we stayed. He had learned enough K'iche to write the story of their native hero. Uh, they, for many generations, had told this story through oral tradition. It would be very much like us today hearing the story of Jacques Marquette here in Marquette County. And so he got a loudspeaker, and he began to read from his notes the story of their native hero for the very first time in their language. As he told the story, um, took about 25 minutes to tell, a large crowd filled, filled this square, and when he was finished, way in the back, an elderly man took off his hat, raised his hand, and said, read it again. So he read it again the second time for 25 minutes. When he finished the second time, this time a young man in the crown raised his hand, said, read it again. So he read it the third time. When he was finished reading it for the third time, three little girls came up to him and they said, can you show us the words that you read in our language? He showed them the words. They said, can you teach us to read those words? He said, that's the beginning of the literacy program amongst the K'iche. Today, those three girls are teachers in the school system. What an incredible thing that he began. In 1983, the communists forced Bill to leave Hoyaba. They came up to him in the marketplace, put a gun barrel in his back, and said, we appreciate what you've done for our people, but you have 48 hours to leave, and if you do not leave, uh, we will not be responsible for what happens to your family. And so Bill sent his family to the U.S. He went to the Wycliffe Bible Translators compound in Guatemala City, to finish working on the New Testament that he had begun. By the way, I did not know Wycliffe uh, celebrated 75 years last year of their ministry. I didn't know they began in Guatemala. That's where it started. And he went to their compound and uh, finished his translation of the New Testament. He was able to have it printed and distributed before he left in 1985 to join his family in uh, the U.S. He was gone for 17 years. He didn't come back until 1999 when the Civil War was over. 
He estimated that when he left, there were about 250 Quiche believers. It was interesting, as we drove out to Las Lomas, about 45 minutes from Hoyava, we went over a river. He said, that's the river where I baptized the first group of Quiche. It was about 140. And he said, when we left in 1985, there were 250 believers. When he came back 17 years later, you ready for this? There were 35,000 believers. He said initially he was angry. Angry at God. Because he wasn't there to see it happen. We can get some foolish thoughts in our minds, can't we? But then it dawned on him. This book, the Kiche Bible, had done its work. The seed of the Word of God had produced an amazing, amazing harvest. By the way, this is the only book in the Kiche language. The only book they have is God's Word. And now, what we experienced as we were down there was some amazing things that we saw. This is George Roller, who is the head of Send Me. He's on the left. Next to him is Pastor Mateo that uh, Matthew had mentioned. By the way, this is the front door to their church. You know, I would describe their church as sort of an abandoned warehouse. That's what I would describe it as. Uh, they could simply not even begin to imagine the kind of facility that God has given to us. Next to Pastor Mateo is Juana. Uh, Juana is an amazing person. She is the uh, office manager for Send Me. She works uh, full-time in the office during the week. She is trilingual. She speaks Kije, Spanish, and English. She was our translator the very first day. She can move effortlessly without skipping a beat between all three of those languages. She answered every question that I ever asked to her. And finally, I said to her, you are like a walking encyclopedia. She said to me, I am. I am. She's no member of a dog race. I can tell you that. She's as smart as anyone that I've ever known. And then this family, which I showed you their image uh, a little bit earlier. Uh, Maria was the most gracious lady that you'd ever want to meet. She's the one that said, we are Christians. We said, well, what church do you go? She said, we're going to the very church. That's where we go, where they're showing the Jesus film. And then this lady that is on your right... That is Tomasa. Tomasa was our guide. She has raised 12 children. Uh, the little guy next to her is her grandson. And this grandmother went up and down those mountain passes like nobody's business. By the end of the day, we were calling her Eleanor. That's uh, what we were saying. <laughs> And can you imagine this? Uh, Tomasa, who was our guide, 
leads us to Maria's home where we sat in her little hut and you saw a picture of me showing her how the filter works. And these two women are members of the same church um, and the same congregation that is being pastored by Pastor Mateo. These believers are the legacy of the power of the gospel there amongst the Kiche. And then, of course, at night, as you've already seen, this uh, was the church that was packed as the Jesus film people shared the Jesus film that evening. Uh, you can't see me very well. I'm way up in the left-hand corner. I had promised a family that if they came, I would not only give their son a soccer ball, but I would sit with them during the, the film. And what I didn't realize is the benches that we would sit on were about as tall as this right here. And so for about three hours, I sat there with that family. That was actually harder than using the pickaxe. <laughs> but what a joy to sit in that congregation with that dirt floor, just open windows for windows, and to see the gospel and what God is doing amongst the Kiche. I was so grateful that uh, Bill Basie brought copies of the Kiche Bible, and we were able to purchase this one, and he wrote a little note to my son and me, and I want to conclude by reading that note. To Jay and Brian, what a blessing to have you both here in Hoyava. May God continue to use you in sharing his perfect love for all through the gift of his Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Keep on in faithful service to our dear Lord, especially as the days are near for his return. Blessings on you both. Bill Vasey, Colossians 4, 5, and 6. And so that's really, I think, our challenge from what we experienced, what we learned, is that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who will believe. And we are to keep on keeping on until Jesus returns because we are part of the greatest work that God is doing in the world today. Let's take a moment, shall we, and let's just bow together and let's thank Him for this great and wonderful privilege, whether we're in Guatemala, working amongst the Quiche, or whether we're here in Marquette, working with those who still need to know Him, living in our neighborhoods and on our streets. Let's pray together. Gracious Lord, we're so thankful that the Word of God that gives to us the precious gospel is like God Himself. It is living and it is abiding. And when it is believed, it purifies our souls and it causes us to be born again. And as Peter says, this is the word of the good news that was preached to you. 
And Lord, not only have we experienced it, and we know that we have been changed and transformed, we're living a different life than we ever could have lived. But Father, when we go to places in the world where the gospel has been brought, we see the same transformation. And today, we continue to ask that you would help us to recognize the wonder of what you have done for us. And may we, Lord, be diligent in watering the seed and allowing the word to develop our lives so that we become more and more like the Christ that we read about in the Bible. But then may it focus our energies. Lord, nothing could be more significant than sharing the gospel with the lost and and building up the saved and helping your church to be healthy and strong and doing its work. And we continue to pray that, Lord, the the fruits that you have accomplished in our lives through what we experienced would help focus us that we might serve you better until Jesus comes. Thank you again, Lord, for those that went. Thank you for everyone who prayed for us, for the many who gave And we're just giving you all of the praise because you are indeed the great God, the sovereign God, the creator of all, who loved us and by sending your Son gave yourself for us. And so we serve you with full hearts, with uh, full gratefulness and love until indeed we hear that trumpet sound and Jesus comes for us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.